0: Shalom and welcome to Origin Gate's daily podcast, Wisdom's Echo. My name is Carl Whitehead, and in this podcast, we will be continuing our discussion on the Ten Commandments and our premise that there are ten discrete laws and five basic principles that govern them. As you will recall, the Ten Commandments are written upon two tablets and that we can observe the parallel principle that links each tablet's corresponding law together. So, so far in previous podcasts I have looked at and talked about uh, number one and number six and how they correspond and also the second and seventh commandment and how they correspond. So let's take a look at Commandments number 3 and Commandment 8 and discuss how these two laws mirror one another and the relational principle that affects our vertical relationship with God and our horizontal relationships with one another. Firstly, let's reiterate the function behind the Ten Commandments which is to promote and facilitate communities that are healthy and thriving through collective morality. These laws speak about the heart of God and how he desires us to live in growing and thriving communities. And there's something very interesting about this that I just want to quickly sort of emphasize, and that is how do communities thrive? What is what is the one of the prevailing aspects about how we Behave and function in these types of communities That is, we can transfer between different ideas of what a community is And I would like to suggest that that is the capacity to share life And what do I mean by that? How we share life is about how we open up ourselves to one another And whether we feel safe doing so So wherever there is a climate of fear, you find that people start to become very reserved in the way they communicate with one another. They are not eager to share their hearts or even share the intimate aspects of their life with each other. So they become very private. They become very insular. So a community that behaves such a way ceases to be a community very quickly. And what you find is that people actually don't want to be in that type of community. They don't want to live in a place of stress and anxiety and fear where they have to be concerned about the way they talk with each other. In other words, they're able to share their hearts with one another. And I believe That this is one of the core principles that's at the heart of why God gave us the Ten Commandments. Because any society that thrives has structure. It has a morality code that allows everybody to ascertain how they can function and communicate with one another on a standard level. And there's various ways of looking at how that functions, but the idea is is that we can trust one another. And we see this in the, in the way these Ten Commandments function relationally. So let me reiter- reiterate that these laws speak about the heart of Hashem and how He desires us to live in growing and thriving communities. So the only way this is possible is to accept the premise of morality that is in its origin higher than our own ideas. This means that when we choose to walk in the ways of God, we are, ch- we are yoking ourselves to a way of living that results in the elevation of ourselves above the natural perception and into the eternal. And I think this is really important as well, and that is, is that we we are taking upon ourselves something that doesn't originate within ourselves. We're taking on the ways of God that originate above our current existence so they are they are higher than our ways and that is to establish that God is above us and that from that we can learn to trust him we can accept the premise that he knows how best to communicate life to us so that we can grow in life so when we look at the Ten Commandments, of course, we will find them in two places. The first one is in the book of Exodus, the book of Shemot, starting in chapter 20, verse 7, and goes all the way through to 20, verse 13 in the Hebrew Bible, but that is goes through to verse 15 in the English Bible. And the other place that we find them, of course, is in the book of Deuteronomy, the book of Devarim, and that is five, chapter 5, verse 11, through to 517. So, the third commandment, what is the third commandment? And we find the third commandments in the book of Exodus, the book of Shemot, starting in chapter 20 in verse 7. And it says, "You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for God will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain." So we we look at this and in a simple way we say, don't take the name of the Lord in vain. And of course, what does this mean? And this is part of what we want to talk about today. So the, the parallel commandments that is on the second tablet is the eighth tablet, is the eighth commandment. And what does that say? It says and we find this in verse 13 of chapter 20 in the Hebrew Bible and then we but we find it in the English Bible in verse 15 and that one is simply you will or you shall not steal in other words don't steal so what is the underlying principle that connects these two together and what can we learn from that so firstly, I just want to point out something very interesting about the third commandment and the language that is used in the Torah. So going back to verse 7, it says something really interesting in the Hebrew. It says, So in other words, you shall not take the name of Hashem your God, in vain kilo yanakay, for i will not absolve for for, for god will not absolve it ashe anyone who sa it shmo la shav who takes his name in vain now that word to take in vain or to in to be in vain or to use in vain is this is the word shav Now, what it really, what it means in the Hebrew is to make something worthless, to make it inconsequential or futile, or even to make it false and destructive. So this is very interesting. And one of the things that they talk about as well is the other word here that is translated as take. So do not take the name of the Lord your God. In vain. And this is the Hebrew word tisatet sin aleph. So this word literally is to take or to take somewhere else. Now I'd like to suggest that what this verse is really talking about as we can ascertain from these words is that God is saying, when he says, Do not take my name in vain, he's actually communicating to us, do not take my name from the place where I where I have put it, to take it to another place that diminishes that name, that diminishes the sanctity and the holiness of that name. And definitely do not do it in a manner where you are just seeking to elevate yourself, or to get self-gain. Lotisa. Really, we can look at this as don't carry away the name of the Lord in vain. And how does this reflect to the idea of the Eighth Commandment, you shall not steal. So what I'd like to suggest is that the underlying principle is that you shouldn't misappropriate something and use it In violation of who owns it. So it is interesting to note that the idea of not taking God's name in vain is to guard the truth and sanctity of who God is as expressed through His name. In other words, don't use God's name to declare something that isn't. And this is behind the idea that the rabbis talk about in regards to what it means to use God's name in vain or to use it falsely. Because this relates to the idea of making an oath or making a promise or declaring something to be something that it is not. They use examples for it like, don't look at this silver coin and declare that it it is gold in God's name because it obviously isn't and so it's declaring something that isn't something that isn't as if it is it's misappropriating and associating God's name with something that is false and here's something really interesting I find it amazing how much God places His reputation in our hands. That our actions determine how God is represented throughout society. So when we misuse God's name, in other words, when we misappropriate it, we mischaracterize him and we violate the expression of who he is to us and the word. In other words, we violate the sanctity of his name. So subsequently, when we steal, we violate the personal life of those we steal from. We devolve them in our eyes. We make them less than we are because we see our wants as more important. So God's name is precious. Don't misappropriate it. Don't devalue it for your own self-gain. People's possessions, people themselves Are also personal And an expression of self Don't devolve them for your own selfish gain as well So this underlying principle Of how we should never misappropriate something And use it in violation of who owns it God's name is very special It, is, it carries a level of holiness and sanctity That is far beyond even our capacity to truly comprehend. So never devalue it by using it for your own personal gain. People's possessions, even their very lives themselves, have a sanctity to them. That's their possessions. It's their personal stuff. Their person, it's who they are. Don't devalue who they are and what they own by looking at that person as less important than yourselves, which allows you to justify taking what they own and making your, making it your own. So, you shall not take the name of your, the Lord your God in vain, and you shall not steal. Do not misappropriate and violate that which belongs to someone else. The end result will The destruction of relationship When we devalue God's name By making it common We devalue Who he is to us And therefore We start to diminish our relationship With him because of the way We treat his name And the way we use his name When we steal from other people We devalue Who they are to ourselves And end up devaluing who we are to them. And we diminish relationship and the capacity to grow in relationship. Shalom, shalom.